turn with me tonight to the book of Acts, 27th chapter, beginning at verse 9. So good to be in God's house tonight. So good to be in God's house. Acts chapter 27 and verse 9 says, Now when much time was spent, and when sailing was now dangerous, because the fast was now already passed, Paul admonished them and said unto them, Sirs, I perceive that this voyage will be with hurt and much damage. Not only of the lading of the ship, but also of our very lives. Nevertheless, the centurion believed the master and the owner of the ship more than the things which were spoken by Paul. When the south wind, in verse 13, blew softly, supposing that they had obtained their purpose, loosing thence, they sailed close by Crete. But not, not long after, there arose against it a tempestuous wind called Eurachlodon. And when the ship was caught, it could not bear up into the wind. We let her drive. Verse 41, falling into a place where two seas met. They ran the ship aground. Verse 42, the soldiers' counsel was to kill the prisoners, lest any of them should swim out and escape. But the centurion, willing to save Paul, kept them from their purpose, commanded that they they which could swim should cast themselves first into the sea and get to land. And the rest, some on boards and some on broken pieces of the ship. So it came to pass that they escaped all safe to land. Going to preach tonight with the help of the Lord about boards and broken pieces. Boards and broken pieces. Let's put our Bibles down tonight. Let's go before the Lord in prayer. Let's lift our voices all over this sanctuary. God, we love you and we thank you for your word. God, I thank you for every man, every woman, every boy, girl, every family that's here tonight. God, I pray that you would strengthen me to preach your word. God, I pray that you would lead my mind, that you would guide my spirit. God, we want your will to be done in this place. God, we want you to move in a mighty way in this place. God, your wonders to perform. God, we pray that you would move in every heart and every mind and in every life tonight. In the name of Jesus, we pray. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Why don't we give God a hand clap of praise? We love you, Jesus. 
We love you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. You can be seated tonight. Boards and broken pieces. Find in Acts chapter 27, the Apostle Paul, who had once been known only as Saul of Tarsus. He had been a young man. He had been a devout man, devout to Judaism. He would say of himself, of this sect of the Jews called the Pharisees, he said, I was of the straightest or the strictest sect. He said, I lived it. I breathed it. I ate it. I slept it. I worked it. I studied it. Everything that the teachers of the Pharisees had to offer. He said, I took part of that. That was who I was. That was my identity. He said, I was identified by my teacher, Gamaliel, who was very wise in the law and perhaps even wise in the Scripture. And He said, I, I, I sat at his feet and he was so engrossed in doing what he thought was right that he could not see the forest for the trees. He could not wrap his mind around this ministry of one by the name of Jesus. He could not wrap his mind around what he viewed as blasphemy. And so he persecuted anyone who was a follower of Jesus. His name appears in the book of Acts. We find in Acts chapter 7, him standing over the body of a man by the name of Stephen, holding the coats of those who would commit murder, holding the coats and taking the responsibility of those who would cast their stones at Stephen until he ceased living. But we find him on the road to Damascus with a pocket full of warrants with hatred in his spirit toward Christians, but love in his heart toward his God. It was ironic. He really, truly believed he was doing what was right. And there on the road to Damascus, this Saul of Tarsus sees a great light shining from the heavens, falls down, and those who were around him as well heard the voice said, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? Who art thou, Jehovah? Who art thou, Elohim? Who art thou, Adonai? Who are you, God? And the voice would speak and say, I am. It's an I am statement. But he continued, he said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. And from that point forward, the revelation of the mighty God in Christ transformed the life of this young man. He would continue into Damascus, but doing so blind, he would need to be helped. And he would hear the preaching of a man by the name of Ananias. And he would receive the gift 
of the Holy Ghost. He would be baptized in Jesus' name in that very same hour. His scales would fall off of his eyes and he would begin to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Some historians and theologians believe it was perhaps 13 years of isolation in his hometown of Tarsus while he learned everything that, as it pertained to Jesus Christ, everything that he had learned. And while the disciples uh, tried to wrap their mind around the conversion of this man, Saul, but it would be on his missionary journeys, on his last missionary journey, when he would decide, I've got to appeal to Rome. And he would be uh, arrested and he would be cast into prison and he would become prisoner of Rome. And he would make up his mind, I know, that I could walk away from these chains. I know they have no charges against me, but yet I choose to be a slave to the master. I choose to be imprisoned for the Lord's use. And so he appeals to Rome and he finds himself on an Alexandrian ship on his way toward Rome. And it was here that he befriended the centurion who would keep watch over the prisoners. And this centurion had heard the words of the Apostle Paul as Paul said, I don't believe we ought to take this trip. I don't believe we should sail here from this place that we are at. He said, I perceive that this voyage will be with hurt and much damage, not only of the lading and ship, but also of our very lives. Let me preach to us tonight that there have been good people. There have been good people. Some of us may be here tonight. If not, we know of situations of which I am speaking of tonight. We understand that there are good people who are carried on ships beyond their control. And they might go protesting. They might go admonishing the centurion. I don't think we should do this. I don't think this is a step that we should should take but alas Paul is found not in charge so Paul and his traveling companion Luke the physician who recorded the gospel according to Luke as well as the book of Acts these former treaties have I made O Theophilus Luke is with him. And they are forced onto the ship. It was out of their control. And the centurion believed the master and the owner of the ship more than those things which were spoken by Paul. And in verse 13, we find that they have been on the ship and the south wind begins to blow softly. Everything seems to be going well. Everything seems to be perfect for travel. And so the master of the ship, supposing they had obtained their purpose, supposing that this is really what we need to do, let's loose and let's set sail to Crete. But not long, not long after, not long after they left, the safety of the port. 
not long after they leave the place where Paul had admonished them, they find themselves not facing a softly blowing breeze, but they find themselves facing Eurachlodon. It is a tempestuous wind, similar in force and size to a hurricane. It is beyond their control. And the ship was caught, not in the harbor, not with the softly blowing wind, but now they're out in the middle of the ocean. They're out in the middle of the sea. And now they're facing something for which they do not have control over. They're facing something that is beyond the realm of their own possibility. It is a storm which they did not anticipate. It was a storm of which they were warned, but it was a storm that they had no power over. They could not bear up into the wind. And so, in an attempt to save their very lives, the Bible tells us that they get in line with the wind and they just let her drive. They just allow the wind to take the boat wherever they want or wherever the wind wants to take it. They have no control. They have no ability to steer. They have no ability to fight against the wind. But all they can do is hold on for dear life and hope that one day the wind will stop and hope that one day the rain will cease and hope that one day the sea will go calm again. But let me tell you that that was not in the plan that was not what happened and we know of people we have seen situations we have faced it ourselves and we feel like things are out of control they're doing everything they can to save the ship they're doing everything they can they're running lines under the ship. I don't know how they made it happen, but they would perhaps attach a weight, throw the rope under, or off, and catch it as it went underneath the boat. They would tie the ship together. In an attempt, so things wouldn't break apart. They're doing what sailors do. This is all they know to do. This is the only life they know. It's out of their control, but bless God, we're going to try. Trying everything I know to do. Trying everything I can. They're going around and they're grabbing a hold. They're merchants. They're grabbing a hold of their livelihood and they're throwing their livelihood. They're grabbing sacks of grain, perhaps. Sacks of flour, perhaps. Perhaps they had cannons. Perhaps they had ammunition. Perhaps they had Stores of food. They're throwing it overboard. We're trying to lighten the load. We're trying to make it so we can control things. We're trying to, we're trying to get this, this thing back under control. They're trying to, to, to make sure they don't sink. But it's out of their control. In verse 39, when it was day, they couldn't see land. They couldn't see the land, but they discovered a certain creek with a shore. They discovered a Perhaps it was a sandbar. Perhaps they found a current into the which they reminded that if it were possible, we'll just thrust the ship here. 
We can't see the land. We don't know what's going to happen. We don't know how we can get out of this, but there's, there's a little sliver of hope here. There's a little sliver of hope that at least if we can beach the craft, at least if we can run the ship aground here, maybe, just maybe, we won't drown in the storm. Maybe, just maybe, we won't be broken apart. Maybe, just maybe, somebody will happen along. It's just a sliver of hope. And so they, like so many of us, aim for the sliver of hope. And we say, if I can just make it to that sandbar, if I can just make it into that creek, if I can just get out of the waves, if I can just get out of the storm, if I can just get to a place where the wind doesn't have control over my vessel. When they had taken up the anchors, they committed themselves to the sea. They loosed the rudder bands. They hoisted the mainsail. And they made toward shore. We're letting it dry. Wherever the wind wants to take us. We'll gain as much speed as we can. We'll gain as much force as we can. This is a last ditch effort and falling into a place where two seas met they came to a place like you and I come to it's a place where two seas met it's a place where two lifestyles meet it's a place where two worlds meet. It's like we preached this morning where I'm making my way through sin and I'm making my way through life. But there's an encounter. Something that rocks my world and all of a sudden I'm confronted with a different way of living. The boat is pointed to the only hope they have. But it's a place where two seas meet. And I can choose to continue on on the sea that I am in or I can choose to make my way. They ran the ship aground. Four part stuck fast. It remained unmovable. And in that moment, they're thinking, yes, we got it. We made it to safety. They plowed into the sand. It's not moving. It's not going anywhere. And all of a sudden they feel the calm. And the waves are beating against the boat. But they're not rocking. And they're not moving. And so it seems like, man, we made the right decision. And all of a sudden they hear wood screws popping. All of a sudden they hear pins popping. All of a sudden they hear the ropes start stretching. All of a sudden they start hearing wood splinter. And the forepart's not moving anywhere. But now the hinder part. Oh, dear God. Oh, dear God. What have we done? What have we done? What have I done? Ran to the place where I thought there was safety. I ran to the church. And my life stopped rocking. But all of a sudden it felt like things started breaking apart. 
started feeling like like my world was coming apart in the vessel that I rode in on, the vessel that I sailed in on, the vessel that drove me to safety is now falling apart. What do I do then? What do I do now? Preacher, pastor, what do I do now? It's not working out the way that I felt it was going to work. Hinder part was broken with the violence of waves. And the soldier's counsel was to kill the prisoners. Lest any of them should swim out and escape. But the centurion willing to save Paul kept them from their purpose commanded that they should they they which could swim should cast themselves first into the sea and get to land it's still deep enough to swim in but it's deep enough that I think if you'll jump you won't break your legs. You won't die on impact. If you can swim, go ahead and abandon the ship. If you can swim. Go ahead and jump out into the deep. If you can swim, just go ahead and, and, and just get away from the ship and just swim to shore. The preacher, what if I don't have the strength to swim? It's been dark for days. We're tired. We hadn't slept for days. We've been rowing. We've been trying to fight the storm. We've been moving here and moving there. We've been trying to do this. We've been trying to do that. We've been fighting that mainsail and it got ripped and we've been trying to repair it. And we've been fighting the wind. We've been fighting the waves. I, 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 I can't even swim. I'm just a prisoner. I'm, I'm, I'm not a sailor. I'm not even supposed to be here. What's going on now? At least the people that can swim have some hope. But what about me? I've come to preach tonight to Christian Life Tabernacle. Some of us came in swimming, but others could not swim. And there are some that are going to walk through our beloved doors that don't know how to swim. They are coming in, and they don't know how they're going to make it. Their head's not staying above water. What do we do then, Pastor? What do we do when we're on outreach and we run into somebody and they're drowning? They don't know how, there's, there's no answer. There's no way out. What do we do then? He said, if you can swim, you go ahead and jump into the waves and you swim to shore. But the rest of you, some on boards and some on broken pieces of the ship. I came to preach to somebody tonight that may not have the strength to swim. If you've got some boards if you got some broken pieces that's all you need to get to the land I 
came to preach to somebody tonight. Your life might be a wreck. You may feel the ship underneath you bucking and popping and breaking apart. But you have to just grab a hold of a board. And you say, you know what? I may get washed up, but I'm washing up alive. I'm coming out of this storm. I come to preach to somebody tonight. You may have to come in on boards and broken pieces, but keep making your way to shore. Historians believe that Paul was on an Alexandrian grain ship. That Rome imported 150,000 tons of grain each year from Egypt. Grain was the ancient, grain was to the ancient world what oil is to ours. A second century man by the name of Lucian penned a description of one of these grain freighters which had been driven off course by a storm and came to port in Athens. He said, what a size the ship was, 180 feet in length. To give you some context, this sanctuary is 84 feet long. You take two of these sanctuaries and put them together, that's 168 feet. And you add another 12 feet. 180 feet long. The ship's carpenter said that the beam width was more than a quarter of that. Somewhere between 45 feet and 50 feet wide. That it was 45 feet from the deck to the bottom. That the crew must have been as big as an army. This historian wrote and said, they told me she carried so much grain that it would be enough to feed every mouth in Athens for one year on one boat. It seemed like if anybody was going to make it, this boat was going to make it. If anybody could weather the storm, this ship could weather the storm. There they were on boards, broken pieces. There they were, their security falling apart. Imagine the Alexandrian captain upon hearing the words of Paul. Who does this Jew think he is? He's only ever been around those little boats on the Sea of Galilee. That's child's play. I'm carrying enough grain to feed every mouth in Athens for a year. Who does he think he is? He's just a preacher. They found themselves on boards broken pieces. 
I'm skipping through some notes. There were some scuba divers that began to dive off the coast of an island called Melita. And about a mile from shore, they found the remnants of an Alexandrian freighter. If it wasn't the boat that Paul was on, it was one very close to him. At the time, they didn't realize what it was. They knew it was ancient. And they knew there were laws in Melita against possessing ancient artifacts. And so they had located it by accident. But over the next three or four years, divers began to locate and retrieve anchors from this boat. They found at least two anchors, which would have been from the rear of the ship. The soundings given in Acts chapter 27 of 90 feet in depth matched the spot where they found this ship. And there was a reef that was there where the ship would have been ripped apart. The scuba divers would tell that this wreck was one mile from the shore. It was not near a major port like St. Paul's Bay. And the sailors would not have recognized it. The sailors wouldn't have recognized the port. But here we are. If, if the history, and if you want to know the history, you just ask me after service and I'll, I'll send it to you. But here they were, trying to get to shore, trying to get to safety, and there's obstacles in the way. There's a reef that breaks apart the ship. They run the ship into the reef, perhaps, or into a sandbar, perhaps, and then the back of the ship collapses. The back of the ship breaks apart, and it's, it's about 90 feet deep, and it's a mile from shore, and it, it looks hopeless. It doesn't look like they can make it. It doesn't look like they're going to have the strength. They don't have the strength on the best day to swim a mile, but let alone in a, in a storm. Eurachlodon had not stopped, but the waves are still crashing over the remainder of the boat and and here they are and they're trying to get to shore and they're trying to make it they don't know what they're going to find when they get there and some are swimming some have the strength but others are grabbing a hold of, of, of the broken pieces of their boat and and some of us came in tonight and we had the strength we had the strength to worship. We had the strength to pray. We had the strength to, to, to lift our voices in song and to lift our voices in prayer. And we came and we gave and we, we, we donated or we gave back to God what was already His in our tithe and in our offering. And it looked like, hey, I just might make it. I just might make it. I may just make it through another week. I may just make it to the shore. I may just be able to drag myself up onto the beach. But I'm going to preach to those here tonight that feel like you're dragging in the mud. That feel like the waves keep coming and there's no hope and there's no way out and there's no relief. I come to preach to you tonight that you can just grab hold of the boards and the broken pieces you may not come in whole but you can come in broken you can come in as a remnant you can come in as a piece and God is standing by Isaiah 43 
verses 1 and 2, But now thus saith the Lord that created thee, O Jacob, and he that formed thee, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed thee. I have called thee by thy name. Thou art mine. When thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. And when thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned. Neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. What are you saying tonight, Pastor? I'm telling you that it doesn't matter if you feel like you're swimming on your best day or if you feel like you're clutching to boards and broken pieces and you feel washed up and you feel messed up and you feel down and you feel out. Your God is on your side. God is here tonight to provide strength God is here tonight to provide hope. God is here tonight to provide regeneration and redemption. We're not just looking as we evangelize our city. We're not just looking for those who seem to have it all together. thank God for it because most of us wouldn't be here tonight. But I'm a firm believer that if we bring those who society doesn't want on their boards and their broken pieces that God can pick up the broken pieces God can pick up the broken pieces and make that life that nobody wanted into a life that everybody wants. This is not a sink or swim kind of church. This is the kind of church that says, hey, if you can swim, let's swim. But if you can't swim, here's a broken piece. Here's a broken board. Here's a life raft. Let's swim together. Acts chapter 28 and verse 1 says, And when they were escaped, then they knew that the island was called Melita. And the barbarous people showed us no little kindness. Luke is writing after the fact. And you can hear his language. You can hear the, the wording that he used. And he said, we ended up on Melita. And everything that we had heard about the people of Melita or the island of Malta, these were people that were barbarians. Everything we heard said that these people are cannibals, quite literally. That these people are not going to be friendly. If we had to wash up anywhere, my God, why did we have to wash up here? And there are folks wandering our city streets that all they've heard is how CLT is barbarous. All they've heard is all oh, those church, they're just. All they've heard is that Christians aren't going to love you. Christians are two-faced. All they've heard is this and all they've heard is that. All they've heard is it's never going to work out. You're not going to go there and feel loved. But Paul said, we washed up in the right place because the people that we thought were going to be barbarians kindled a fire and cooked us food and took care of our wounds. 
I come to preach to somebody tonight with the last of my strength. I come to tell you tonight that you're in the right place at the right time. We don't care if you swam in. We don't care if you rode in on a jet ski. We don't care if you had a powerboat or a speedboat or bless God you washed up be draggled and half drowned on boards and broken pieces. You're in the right place. Show us no little kindness. I kindle a fire. On the day of Pentecost, it was fully come. They were all in one accord in one place when suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind filled all the house where they were sitting and there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire. I'm still a firm believer that the best thing we can do for those who arrive on our beaches is to kindle the fire. I'm still a firm believer that the best thing we can do is get in that prayer room and start stoking the fires of Pentecost. I'm still a firm believer. I need a little help, please. I'm still a firm believer. Whether out there or just in my monitors, I don't care. Just make me feel like I don't have to shout to hear my own thoughts. I'm still a firm believer that the best thing we can do for those who arrive broken, for those who arrive on boards, for those who arrive in broken pieces, is to kindle apostolic fires of worship. I'm still a firm believer that the best thing that we can do is continue to be apostolic, is continue to be Pentecostal. The best thing that we can do is make sure that the presence of God is here to meet their every need. Don't you make them have to kindle their own fire. We need to get it so hot they cannot help but thaw out. They can't help but dry out. They can't help but become full of the Holy Ghost. I come to preach to a church tonight. They're coming in on boards at broken pieces. What will they find when they reach our shores? Are they going to find barbarians that say fend for yourself? Or are they going to find a church that's fanning the flame of revival, the flame of deliverance, the flame of healing, the flame of salvation. What will they find? What will they find? What will they find when they arrive on their boards and their broken pieces? They received us, everyone. Because of the present rain, because of the cold, just because they landed on the shore doesn't mean that it stopped raining. It doesn't mean that it, it instantly warmed up. It doesn't mean that instantly the wind stopped blowing. But what they were greeted with drowned out the fact they were cold. 
what they were greeted with drowned out the fact that it was wet and they were rained on and, and the ship had broken apart and all of their belongings were lost and all of their grain was lost and all of their belongings were lost. It, it drowned out the fact that they're just thankful to be alive. I'm just thankful to be at the beach. I'm just thankful... Some of us would be really thankful to be at the beach right now. But they weren't sitting there underneath the umbrella on their beach towel, sipping on an iced tea with a little umbrella in the top of it. Oh no, but they were there and they had drugged themselves up. They had sand underneath their fingernails. They had beach rash on their knees and on their chests and on their backs. They had been tumbled through the waves. They had been half drowned. I believe they crawled up coughing out water. I believe they looked like drowned rats. But what they were welcomed with made all of that seem like nothing. Made all of that disappear. How do you know that, Pastor? Because the Bible tells us that the Apostle Paul immediately went to work. Gathering up sticks. Gathering up firewood. I believe that when they come in on boards and broken pieces, God's willing to put them to work. Might just be sweeping the floors. Might just be mowing the grass. Might just be running the weed eater. Might just be plowing snow. Might just be cleaning toilets. Might just be changing light bulbs. But I'm so thankful to be saved. I'm so thankful. Might just be straightening up chairs. Might just be serving foods at fellowship night. Might just be carrying up bags of trash. My God, I don't care how long I've been in church. God, don't ever let me be great, uh, ungrateful for the opportunity to carry out trash. God, God, I just want to be thankful to be in part of the kingdom. God. David was anointed king. David had felt the anointing oil run down him. He had felt the weight of the crown upon his head. And he said, I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord. They might come in on boards and broken pieces. But what they get when they get here, they're going to find a fire kindled. Jesus had told his disciples before his ascension. He said, I'm going to send a fire. He said, but what will I do? What would I if I find it already kindled? What's he telling him? He said, you don't have to wait for me to move. You move. And watch what I'll do. You move. And watch what I can do. When that family walks in and they don't know they don't know how they're going to get home they got nails in the tires they heard the tires up to get to church they're, they're expecting to go out to flat tires what are they going to do? their car's busted their car's broken what are they going to do if it gets repossessed What's this? what about this what, you know let me tell you let me tell you the church's job the church's job is not to fix everything the church didn't swim back out and put the boat back together 
but the church built a fire. The church built a fire. The church built a fire and the church cooked some food. He said, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. There's daily bread. And we got the fire kindled for you. Come and find rest. Come and be filled. Come and be warmed. Come and find your strength. The church is reaching out for those boards, broken pieces. I know it's ugly, but we got a spot for you around this fire. You're not going to find barbarians here. You're not going to wash up on the beach and find a bunch of people saying, my God, why in the world did you set sail in this? My God, your life is a wreck. It's a mess. They don't need us telling them it's a mess. All they need, hey, there's a spot at the table. I was broken too. I was down and out too. Let me show you where I went. Let me show you where I got the Holy Ghost. Let me show you where God spoke to me. Let me take you to the fire that I was warmed by. I don't care if you're on boards and broken pieces. I'll help you pull the splinters out when you get to shore because we believe. It's a lot easier to pull splinters out by the firelight than it is out in the middle of the sea. You don't have to try to worry about getting everything put back together. You just get to shore. You just keep kicking. You just keep swimming. One stroke after another stroke. One kick after another kick. And you're going to get close enough. You just let the waves carry you the rest of the way. We're going to create waves in the Spirit that's going to allow them to wash to shore. Mark 16 and verse 9. Now when Jesus was risen early the first day of the week, He appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom He had cast seven devils. He did not first appear to His earthly mother Mary. He did not first appear to the disciple whom he loved, John. He didn't first appear to Matthew. He didn't first appear to Bartholomew. He first appeared to the one that he found on boards broken pieces. He first appeared to the one who really appreciated what she found at the beach. (laughs) 
She walked into her storm not afraid of the brokenness. He said, that's my girl. That's my daughter. He wasn't mad at her. He was not upset with her. He said, I'll take you just the way you are. I don't expect you to go down and find some exorcist somewhere to deliver you before you come to me. He said, you come to me, all ye who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. This is the rest wherein he may cause the weary to rest. He first appeared to Mary Magdalene, and she went and told them that had been with him. Ah. He left it to the one that had been broken to go tell the ones that he had found whole. He left it to the one that came in on boards and broken pieces to go tell the ones that were able to swim. You go tell my disciples. And they, when they heard that he was alive and had been seen of her, believed not. The ones who had swum, swam, didn't even believe it. But the one who had been broken. She had first looked at him and thought he was the gardener. He had been beaten by the Jason beyond recognition. Sister Sherry, he had been manipulated and disfigured. She couldn't even recognize him by looking at him. Sister Gabby, when she heard his voice. When what I see does not compute. I remember the voice that called to me in my brokenness. It was the voice that had spoke to what had had me bound and said, Loose her! It was the voice that I heard when I was not able to think for myself, when I was bound, when I was broken. It was the voice that I heard that spoke to the seven devils to cast them out. The ones that had been found whole believe not. After that, he appeared in another form unto two of them as they walked, went into the country. And they went and told it unto the residue. They went and told it unto those who remain. The residue. We're reaching tonight. For the residue. Something that remains after a part is taken, separated, or designated, or after the completion of a process. It's used to describe broken pottery that doesn't have anything of what once was. It's just a remnant of what had once been a vessel. 
said, you go tell the broken ones too. Came tonight to remind us that when the Pharisees asked Jesus, Why do you sit with the common folks and the sinners? Jesus said, they that be whole don't need a doctor. But the ones that are sick need the great physician. He said, but go ye and learn what that means. I'll have mercy and not sacrifice. For I am not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. God loves the broken. God loves the broken. Psalm chapter 31 as we stand. Verse 12. I'm forgotten as a dead man, out of mind. I am like a broken vessel. Verse 14, but I trusted in thee, O Lord. I said, thou art my God. Verse 16, make thy face to shine upon thy servant. Save me for my, thy mercy's sake. Verse 19, O oh, how great is thy goodness which thou hast laid up for them that fear thee, which thou hast wrought for them that trust in thee before the sons of men. Thou shalt hide them in the secret of thy presence from the pride of man. Thou shalt keep them secretly in a pavilion from the strife of tongues. Blessed be the Lord, for he hath showed me his marvelous kindness in a strong city I preached this message the first time six years ago and at the bottom of my notes it says why do we keep having church when we feel like we are spinning our wheels because they've got to know which way is the shore? In the harbor of New York since 1886 stands the Statue of Liberty. And engraved on the bottom of that statue is a plaque that says, Give me your tired you're poor. 
your huddled masses yearning to breathe free the wretched refuse of your teeming shore we'll take them but tonight we are in a place that can offer what even the great United States of America cannot and that is the true source of liberty the true source of freedom I wonder tonight if we would make our way to the altar and say God I want to create an atmosphere in every service for those who are on boards and on broken pieces to come and find the heat and find the strength and find the deliverance that they need and find healing and find the best life. Give us your broken. The refuse will take up. We'll see what God can do. He can do it. He can do it. Don't be afraid to take him to the place.